0: Please be seated. I just want to thank the trio for learning that song. Uh, What a blessing it is. It goes along with a message, which is Psalm 90. So if you want to turn your Bibles to Psalm 90, I want to thank uh, Dr. Getch and Dr. Rasmussen for the opportunity to come and and, uh, share what the Word of God has to say. And it's always a blessing to have an opportunity like that uh, to share. Uh, I've been really praying about the message I wanted to bring and, and something that will help you, something that will encourage you. So I thought I'd preach about death. <laughs> okay. um, psalm 90 is sometimes known as the death psalm because uh, it does deal with our frailty, uh, how weak and frail we are compared to the greatness of our God. But I think it's important for us to understand uh, our position as humans, our position as creatures of God, um, and make sure that we have the, the correct perspective because the wrong perspective can cause us to go in the wrong direction in our life. It's important for us to make sure that we are allowing God to lead us and God to guide us. Uh, Psalm 90, if you look in your Bibles, you notice that this is a Psalm of Moses. You might think, oh, it's kind of strange for Moses to write a Psalm. Uh, But Moses wrote a couple other Psalms as well. If you look at Exodus chapter, you don't have to turn there, but Exodus chapter 15 uh, is really the the prayer or the praise of triumph when uh, Pharaoh and his army was defeated. Uh, also, in Deuteronomy chapter 32, as uh, Moses was going up Mount Nebo and just recognizing the, the sinfulness of the people as they weren't able to go into the land and um, just dealing with it. So Moses has had other songs associated with him as well. And so we have a song of Moses, or actually a prayer of Moses is what the heading says. Uh, one thing the the psalm does not tell us is the specific time in Moses' life when he he penned these words or he prayed these words. In um, there's some various suggestions about when it was. Um, I really believe it was during the time when Israel uh, had wandered in the wilderness after Kadesh Barnea when they had uh, rejected uh, the offer of land that God had and they said, we can't go in there, murmured against God. um, And God told uh, the Israelites, uh, at least those that were uh, 20 years old and up, that they could not go into the promised land Um, And as we we look at that, and we'll look at that a little bit more as we go along, but you see that there's a sense of the frailty of life. And I think Moses was associated with this sense of these individuals who probably could see in the distance the promised land, but were not able to enter in because of their wrong attitudes towards God. Um, And as we see what God is doing in the life of the nation of Israel, we can see Moses in response cries out to God. Um, and I think in his prayer that he cries out, uh, we get a sense for uh, just how important it is for us to, to have the right perspective on our life, have the right perspective on the direction that God is going to bring us into, uh, and keep our eyes on him as well. And so as we pray, or as we, we read this prayer, Uh, Gives us a sense for Moses. So uh, if you would, just stand uh, to your feet if you would, and let's read this together. Uh, Psalm 90. Uh, I'll start with verse 1. We'll read the whole thing. Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth or ever had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Thou turnest man to destruction. And sayest, return ye, children of men. For a thousand years in thy sight are but as yesterday when it's past. And as a watch in the night. Thou carriest them away as with a flood. They are as asleep. In the morning they are like grass which groweth up. In the morning it flourishes and groweth up. In the evening it's cut down and withered. For we are consumed by thine anger. And by thy wrath we are troubled. Thou hast set our iniquities before thee our secret sin in the light of thy countenance. For all the days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. The days of our years are as three score years and ten, and if by reason of strength they be four score years, uh, yet is there strength, labor, and sorrow. Uh, for it's soon cut off, and we fly away. Who knoweth the power of thine anger? Uh, even according to thy fear, so is thy wrath. So teach us to number our days, that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? And let it repent thee concerning thy servants. O satisfy us early with thy mercy, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Let us uh, make us glad according to the days where thou hast afflicted us, and the years wherein we have seen evil. Let thy work appear unto thy servant, and the glory unto their children, and let the beauty of our Lord, our God, be upon us, and establish thou the work of our hands upon us, yea, the work of our hands, establish thou it. Father, we thank you so much for your word. Lord, I pray that you use me today to be able to uh, explain this, help the students to to understand the, the correct perspective that we need to have uh, as we approach life. Uh, Lord, I ask that you would just guide this time, uh, bless your word, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Please be seated. So I think as Moses is recognizing that Israel had the wrong perspective, he prays uh, with his right perspective in mind. And I think the the first thing, if we want to have the right perspective uh, on life, it it begins with an accurate assessment of ourselves. It begins with an accurate assessment of ourselves, who we are, uh, and really our comparison to God. Uh, Sometimes I think we have an idea of pulling God down to our level, but we have to recognize who God is. Uh, and, and so Moses, as he's praying, he's, he's recognizing this fact. Um, he begins showing this confidence in God. And uh, what we're going to see is that there's kind of an echoing back and forth. Uh, Moses will, will make a claim about Almighty God. Then, on the other hand, he'll go and show the, the frailty of mankind and then go back to God and then go back to man. And, and you kind of get the sense of God is so much higher than we are. Uh, God's ways are so much greater than our ways. We can't even think to understand who He is. We just have to trust Him and know He is the eternal God. Uh, Look back at Psalm 90, verse 1. It says, Lord, Thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. Uh, This first verse really sets a tone for this prayer um, and showing just the the grandeur of God in comparison with the frailty of man. Um, And notice that. Uh, as it introduces the author Moses. Uh, It says, Moses uh, the man of God. And I think of anybody who really had a sense for who God is, I think it was Moses. Uh, It's said of him in Deuteronomy chapter 34, uh, whom the Lord knew face to face. Uh, He was a man of God. Uh, He was one who spoke with God, Uh, He listened to what God had to say, and I think we can learn from the wisdom that he gives us uh, by getting this correct perspective. So the the first way to have a correct perspective is to begin by seeing the greatness of our God. Uh, If God is too small in our minds, we won't trust him, Uh, but we need to make sure that we recognize just the greatness of God. He says in verse 1, "'Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place.'" Uh, The dwelling place here, the word is also translated as refuge in other places. Uh, It means a shelter, a place of rest, a place of security. And just think about this in contrast to the situation with the Israelites wandering in the wilderness. Uh, They don't have a permanent dwelling place, but God is their dwelling place. Uh, That no matter what stage of life they're in, whatever their situation, uh, that God is their dwelling place, and God can be our dwelling place. it says in Deuteronomy chapter two, verse seven, "For the Lord thy God has blessed thee in all thy works of thy hand. He knoweth thy walking through the great wilderness these forty years. The Lord thy God hath been with thee, and thou hast lacked nothing. Uh, he was their dwelling place. He was the one who helped them uh, through uh, the forty years. And this this concept of a dwelling place is very distinct." Uh, If you look at a refuge, it's a place where we might go when there's a a danger, uh, that we might escape to that location. But a dwelling place is where you're gonna be at all times, Uh, not just when there's a dangerous situation or a troubling situation. I think what we understand with God is he wants us to be with him at all times. Uh, He wants to be our dwelling place, not just when things are tough. It's it's really easy to go to God and, and pray when things are tough. But what about every single day? Uh, Do you recognize how much you really need the Lord uh, in such a great way? Um, We must dwell during God at all times. Uh, He must be our dwelling place. We can try to trust in other things. Uh, We can trust in maybe our family, uh, our our friends, uh, a girlfriend, a boyfriend. We can trust in jobs. We can trust in finances. Uh, But 1 Timothy 6, verse 17 says, Charge them that are rich in this world that they may not high-minded, nor trust in the uncertainty of riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy." Uh, if you've seen anything about our economy, our economy is not going too good. And uh, those that have placed money in uh, some investments uh, have seen a decrease. And it just kind of shows us that there's no certainty with regard to our money. We can't trust in our money. We can only trust in God. He needs to be our dwelling place. Uh, the things that are seen are temporal, uh, but the things that are unseen are eternal. That's what God wants us to focus on. But notice it says not only that God has been our dwelling place, but says in all generations. And I think this is helping to, to lead into what Moses is about to pray about is the fact of the eternality of God. Uh, that it's not just this one generation that was wandering in the wilderness that needed to trust God or that God was their dwelling place, But all the way from the time of Abraham, uh, all the way down to uh, his son and his son, uh, to the time of Moses. Uh, Through all these generations, God has been the dwelling place. And it kind of gets the people and gets the focus off of ourselves and places on God. Uh, Our life is, as it said, a vapor, Uh, is temporal. Uh, But we have to focus on that which is eternal. Um, Look at Psalm 90 verse two. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Uh, We can trust in the God who's from everlasting to everlasting. Uh, He's consistent. He he doesn't change. He's always the same. Uh, And it's important for us to keep our focus on him. Now, as we continue through this and we look at these verses, uh, I just want to give you a little information about Hebrew poetry. Uh, It's a little different than English poetry. Um, Hebrew poetry doesn't rhyme words. Uh, Mary had a little lamb, its fleece was white as snow, and everywhere that Mary went, the lamb was what? Sure to go. Okay? So in English poetry, we rhyme the words. In Hebrew poetry, you rhyme the meanings. And, And so what you have is what's formed parallelism. Uh, and that parallelism shows uh, the, uh, the one line is either going to be the same, uh, saying the same thing, or may be saying something a little different. Uh, if you look back at verse 2, it says, before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hast formed the earth and the world. And so those two lines are saying essentially the same thing. And that's just a feature of Hebrew poetry. It's the way of just trying to emphasize something or trying to show, uh, in this case, the eternality of God. Um, And and you think about anything, mountains, uh, if you look at mountains, they don't move, do they? Uh, You you see them, and they're going to be the same. And if you look at a picture from maybe two or 300 years back at the same mountain, it's still in the same place. It still looks the same. Uh, Everything else is very temporal, but even before those mountains uh, were formed, God existed. Uh, And and so he's even uh, greater than what we think in our own minds uh, of that which is great. Um, If you uh, look at uh, if you look at verse 8, uh, just again, that same parallelism, it says, For thou hast set our iniquities before thee, our secret sins, in light of thy countenance. And so you see, within this Hebrew poetry and this, this psalm and this prayer of Moses, there's these lines that repeat one another. Uh, there's also what's called um, the antithetical parallelism, which is the opposite. If you look at verse 6, Uh, In the morning it flourishes and goeth up. In the evening it's cut down and withers. So you have the opposite sayings. And so when you look at the uh, books of Psalms, Proverbs, some of the other poetical books, you look at some of the prophets, you see a lot of the same thing where there's an emphasis on what's being said. And so the same thing is said more than one way just to show uh, the way that's emphasized and to say it in a more memorable, more picturesque fashion. And so, as you see the the way that this prayer of Moses is unfolding, there's a lot of visual pictures. Uh, There's a lot of uh, this parallelism just to show us this sense of who God is. And and so, before the mountains were brought forth, uh, or ever had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. You know, what a statement. Uh, And I think we have to get a a sense for who God is. We are not anywhere like God at all. We're so much far below who God is, Uh, and sometimes I think we look at God from the standpoint of what we know, a point of reference. We know about people, and sometimes people are there, sometimes they let us down, and we have that same opinion about God. But from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Uh, He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we can have confidence in Him. And so I think that the perspective that we need to have as we're living a life that's trying to be pleasing to God is that we have to have that correct perspective of just who God is. Um, Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 1 verse 4 says, One generation passes away, another generation cometh, uh, but the earth abideth forever. Um, I, I don't know if we really do have an understanding of what eternity is like, Um, I heard it one time described uh, as the length of time that would take uh, an angel uh, with a feather uh, to touch uh, a steel globe the size of the earth uh, once every 10,000 years. So you have this this steel globe the size of the earth, Uh, the angel with a feather is just gonna touch it, uh, and the time it would take for that steel globe to disappear uh, would be just the beginning of eternity. Um, I remember hearing that and it just, just blew my mind. Uh, we have no concept about eternity. Uh, we have a couple of decades that, that we know about, uh, but eternity is something that is far beyond us. And, and it helps us to understand that, that our God is far beyond us. He relates to us. He's revealed his word to us. But yet we want to make sure that we understand exactly who it is uh, that has given us life and salvation Um, and has been so good to us in so many ways. If you look at verse 4, it says, For a thousand years in thy sight are as yesterday. Um, How many people remember yesterday? Okay. Remember a few things in yesterday. Just think of that, a thousand years. And that's what a thousand years is to God. It's it's like nothing. Uh, God transcends time. Uh, A thousand years is nothing to God. It says, For a thousand years in thy sight are but as yesterday when it's past. Uh, and a watch in the night. A watch was about four hours. Uh, and, and so it passed the night without people really noticing. But you know, this is the concept of thousand years. We have no concept of how long a thousand years is. Uh, but we do have a, an understanding of our God. Second uh, Peter chapter three verse eight says, "But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing that one day uh, is with the Lord as a thousand years, uh, and a thousand years as one day." Uh, While we're confined to time, God is timeless. Uh, What an awesome God that we serve. Um, And just understanding this awesome God more and more, and and we can't fully grasp who He is, uh, but as He reveals Himself to us, it gives us a a sense for how much higher, how much greater He is uh, than we are. Uh, Sometimes in our feeble attempt, we try to identify God and we we bring him down in our own illustrations to try to relate to him. But we have to make sure that we recognize uh, his high exalted positions. Uh, Isaiah 55 verse eight says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Uh, So when we wanna have a correct perspective, it has to begin Uh, by recognizing Almighty God, uh, truly who he is, Um, and in contrast to that, recognizing uh, our position uh, as a frail person. Um, And Moses here uses four illustrations to help us to understand uh, just how frail mankind is in comparison with God. Uh, the first illustration he uses is the illustration of dust. Uh, if you look at verse 3. So remember, he, he goes and talks about God and talks about man. So we're just going back to where he spoke about uh, man. He says, Thou turnest man to destruction, and sayest, Return ye children of men. Uh, and I think Moses probably here is recognizing the fact that these people are just passing on one by one uh, in the desert um, because of their sin, because of failing to follow after God. And the contrast to everlasting God as people that are turned to destruction. Um, There's nothing that we can do to prevent the inevitable. Uh, People always want to try to look younger. They want to try to live longer. But, you know, uh, sooner or later, it's going to catch up with them. Um, And they're going to go to destruction as uh, this psalm talks about. Uh, the, the word there, turnest, is uh, a causative verb, which means that it's recognizing something that's causing, so it says, God causes or turneth man to destruction. It's God who is doing this. Uh, it's not just that we die because we die, it's because God ordained that we die. He, he didn't have this at the beginning of his plan, but because of sin, sin entered in the world and death reigned uh, because of that sin. Uh, and so because of that, there is this causation uh, of destruction. The word destruction has the idea of taking a, like a lump of dirt and just crushing it, pulverizing it. Uh, just a sense of just the, the weakness of man compared to the greatness of God. Um, I always think of uh, that one saying I used to have on my door uh, every day that I went to bed. I'd read it. It said, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. It's such an important truth that we have to understand uh, that we are so frail compared to Almighty God. Um, and life is precious. Um, and, and we need to treat it as a precious gift that God has given to us. If you look at verse 3, notice the, the parallel statements. It says, Thou turnest man to destruction, and uh, saith, Return ye children of men. Again, a, a synonymous parallelism. They're saying the same things. In other words, you have the sense of the finiteness of man. Uh, there's coming a day when, when uh, each person will die if it's not that the Lord comes back first. Um, and so it's, it's very somber. Uh, it's very um, humbling when we think about that uh, compared to who God is. And I think we have to have that right uh, perspective. Um, Our life is something that God has given to us, and I think every day when we wake up, it's a way just to simply say, God, thank you for another day, because the breath that we breathe is given to us by God. The life that we have has been given to us by God. Uh, Shouldn't we live our life for God as well because of that? Uh, We must make the most out of every day. Uh, So the picture starts with this idea of Mankind coming into the point of uh, returning back to dust as we were made, and going into uh, talking about the sweeping flood. If you look back at verse five, uh, "Thou carriest them away as with a flood," and again contrasting this with God. God, um, for God, a thousand years is nothing, but for man, they're they're cast away like a flood. Uh, the idea here is that if a flood comes through, there's, there's no trace of what was there before. Uh, it, it's all been destroyed and there's, there's no sense that a flood's only gonna affect certain peoples. It's gonna affect the poor people or just the rich people. It's gonna affect everybody the same way. It doesn't matter uh, what educational level you have, it doesn't matter your um, financial stability, or whatever it might be, uh, we understand uh, that a flood's gonna take everyone. And, and so this same thing that uh, we know that death will take everyone. Um, it's not just one group of people that die, but we all die because of that. Uh, and Moses, again, is seeing this uh, quite vividly. Um, he then transitions to the, the picture of sleep. Um, and he says, they are as asleep. And you just think, again, uh, that <clears throat> sleep, how brief it is, how s- simple it is, and how uh, it passes so quickly. Um, uh, again, that's the, the picture of man's life, uh, how quick, how simple it is. Finally final illustration he uses is in verse 5, where he says, In the morning they are like grass, which groweth up. Uh, in the morning it flourishes, and groweth up. In the evening it's cut down, and withereth. Um, do you get the sense of the, the uh, frailty of man, um, the sense that we are not at all like God? Uh, God is from everlasting to everlasting. We are like grass that grows up in the morning, and by nighttime it's dead. Um, And so I think we have to keep that in perspective uh, as we're looking to live in a life that's pleasing for God. Uh, Man's life uh, compared to Almighty God is just like a vapor. Um, If we have too small a view of God, then we might question His ability to help us. Uh, But if we have the correct perspective, uh, we're going to trust in this God. We're going to serve this God. We want to live every single day uh, for God that He might get the glory through our life. So keeping a correct perspective uh, begins first with uh, an assessment of this life, assessment that the life that God has given us. A second thing is uh, it begins with a clear understanding of sin, clear understanding of sin. Once we understand who we are in regard to God, uh, that we're but nothing, but think about that. As as much nothing as we are, God still loves us, Uh, and that makes us significant. Uh, But this whole concept of, of sin is something that I think if we don't have god's perspective on sin, if we don't look at sin the way God sees it, uh, we're going to miss something that uh, is so important in our life. Um, man's sin and God's wrath really explains the, the transitoriness of life. Uh, man's sin results in uh, the wrath of God coming upon him. Uh, if you look at verse seven, "For we are consumed." By thine anger. Just think about Moses here, uh, seeing person after person uh, die and pass on. Um, he's understanding that, that this is being consumed, uh, and it's because of the wrath of God. They were murmuring against God. Uh, they were not trusting God as who He uh, is, not trusting that He could deliver them. Remember, they were uh, afraid of giants in the land. Um, well, they had the wrong perspective because they're looking at these giants from the human perspective they needed to see the giants from God's perspective uh, sin brings the wrath of God we have to recognize that the wages of sin is death um, and it's something that we have to understand uh, we know that we have salvation we know that we have forgiveness of our sins but that doesn't mean that the view that God has of sin ever changes uh, sin is still sin and what makes sin uh, so bad is that it is against God Uh, It's against what he told us that we need to be doing. And and so I think having a correct perspective on sin in in our life is something. We want to make sure we don't excuse sin in other people's lives. We want to make sure that we don't excuse sin in our life, Uh, that God expects us to be holy, Uh, be holy as I am holy. Uh, And so we need to live in that way if we're going to live to please God. And uh, I think our society today sometimes downplays uh, what sin is. Oh, it's not that bad. Oh, it's okay. It's, it's just a little sin. Uh, but in God's eyes, sin is sin. We have to recognize that. Um, if you look at Isaiah chapter 1, verse 2, it says, Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth. For the Lord has spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. Uh, the ox knoweth his owner, and the ass his master's crib. But Israel does not know. My people doth not consider. Ah, a sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, Uh, The seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One unto anger. Uh, They've gone away backwards. Um, And and so you see the sense of how does God view sin? Uh, God views sin as something that uh, is an affront to him. It's an insult for him when he does things for people um, and they just turn against him. And that's what happened with the nation of Israel. Uh, Here, God led them miraculously out of Egypt, uh, led them to uh, the promised land and said, here, go take possessions. Uh, they sent the spies in. Um, <clears throat> Nine of them, or eight of them came back with bad report, but two came back with a good report. Uh, but the people listened to that bad report and didn't trust God through that. Um, and, and so we, we see the sense of uh, our recognition of sin. Um, we have to realize that any time that I fail God, it's a sin. Uh, any time that I don't do what God has told me to do, it's a sin. Um, and we are given the ability to confess that sin, but I think having that right perspective of what sin is. Uh, 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 says, Love not the world, uh, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him, for all that is in the world, the lust of flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passes away in the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of the Father abideth forever. If you look at verse 8, it says, thou hast set our iniquities before thee, our secret sin in light of thy countenance. Um, Sometimes I think we think we can hide our sin from God, uh, but we can't. Uh, Everything is revealed to him. Look at the second part, our secret sin, the light, uh, in the light of thy countenance. Uh, everything is revealed to God. God knows everything, and so we can't hide those things. And uh, I think sometimes we don't realize uh, what blessings we're missing uh, when we continue to do some things that we should You know, it, it might be something as simple as maybe looking at somebody else's paper when a test is going on, um, or uh, maybe not following the rules of the school. Um, it, it might be you have bitterness in your heart towards somebody else. Uh, might think, okay, it's not going to affect anybody else. I'll just keep it inside. Uh, But God knows that, uh, and that's going to affect you, going to affect your relationship with God. So we have to have that right perspective of sin. Uh, Sure, we've been forgiven of sin. Uh, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. That's a wonderful truth. Uh, But we have to make sure that we understand uh, that our sin separates us from God, uh, and we need to make sure that we're uh, focusing on what things can bring us to God. Uh, as you can see how uh, Moses continues in his prayer, he says in verse nine, "For all of our days are passed away in thy wrath; uh, we spend our years as a tale uh, that is told. Uh, our, the number of our year, or the days of our years, are three score and ten, and by a reason, by strength, they are fourscore years. Yet uh, it is their strength and labor and sorrow. Um, uh, again, you can see the people of Israel; uh, they're going about trying to uh, do their own thing." Um, And God stopped them. Uh, God told them uh, what to do, and they wouldn't do it. Uh, And so they faced the wrath of it. Uh, It says, um, uh, verse 10, verse 11, excuse me, verse 11, uh, who knoweth the power of thine anger, uh, even according to thy fear, so is thy wrath. Uh, I think sometimes a a fear of God is a good thing. I Remember as a child, um, I'd be out in the backyard, and I'd, I'd hear a clap of thunder, and I'd just run to my mother because I was afraid of it. Um, and I learned, okay, it's, it's, it's powerful, but I just have to be very careful around it. Uh, but I think when we understand, you know, we think grace is sometimes this get-out-of-jail-free card, you know, that uh, if I sin, well, I've just got the grace of God. I'll just claim God's grace, and, and God will forgive me. He has to forgive me, um, and I'll be cleansed of this. Uh, but... I think we really need to fear who God is and fear his wrath and I think when we look at Israel and and see what happened uh, they were affected tremendously by their sin Um, and sin does affect us it separates us from our God Uh, we need to confess our sin um, and he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness Uh, but we have to remember that uh, grace is not just a license for sin Uh, grace is a gift that God has given to us uh, and it'd be better not to use that grace uh, and to serve God faithfully in that way. Uh, we have been washed. We've been cleansed. We have been justified. Uh, and so we have the wonderful promises of God that, that God will not hold our sin against us. Um, and we can confess our sin. Uh, but let's not take too low a view of sin um, and recognize that we need to live in the light of what God would have us do. Uh, we also know, unlike the nature of Israel, as they were wandering the wilderness, um, <clears throat> they uh, perished in that wilderness. Uh, but we have the hope of eternal life. Uh, we have a hope of life with God, and uh, we can recognize what God has given us through that. Do you have the same perspective uh, uh, that God has about your sins? Uh, do you recognize, do you weep when you're convicted by the Holy Spirit of something you did wrong? Um, I think that's the importance of us having that right perspective, um, knowing that our sin is something that uh, should not be part of our life but should be uh, something we try daily uh, to be conformed to the image of our Lord Jesus Christ. Keeping the correct perspective, it begins with a, a true assessment of our life. I think it continues as we have a clear understanding of sin. But I think thirdly and finally, uh, Having a desire for God's daily intervention or God's daily involvement in my life is important. Uh, Having a desire for God's daily involvement in my life. Um, I want to see God work in my life. I want to see what he's doing in my life and to other people's lives, and it's important. If you look at verse 12, it says, so teach us to number our days. Teach us. Um, We are asking God for help. We don't know how to number our days. We want God to be the one to help us. And I, I thought about this, and I numbered my days. Um, I'm 57 years old as of last Friday, so that means that I have lived uh, about 20,000 days. That's a good amount of days, uh, but that tells me I probably have about 8,000 days left to live. <laughs> I think about that. Wow, 20,000 to 8,000. You know, so if I lived to 20. All right, if I live to 20, if I live to 80, I'll have that many days. Now, you have not lived that long. Uh, you probably have uh, lived, um, you know, maybe about eight, 9,000 days, uh, and you have 20,000 days left to live. Uh, but let's ask God to teach us to number those days, uh, not take a day for granted, Make sure that we look at each one of those days as a precious gift from God and that we use those days that God would be glorified in our life. Um, Lord, teach us to number our days. Uh, We have no guarantee for tomorrow. Uh, And we can't say, well, I'll put it off till tomorrow or the next day or the next day. Uh, We have no guarantee that next day will ever come. Uh, So we need to live our life today pleasing God and doing what he would want us to do. Make every day count for the Lord. Uh, Live as the Lord directs us and and say in the morning, Lord, what would you have me do today? And and I think that helps us to keep in mind our days are the Lord's. Uh, Don't leave God out of your plans. Uh, Keep him directly in your plans, involvement. Uh, Keep prayer as one of the key things that will help you as uh, you plan your days, your weeks, and, and so on. Ask God to lead us. Uh, James deals with the same type of situation in James chapter 4. And he talks about a businessman who, who says, I'm going to go out and do business. But his response is that you do not know what will be tomorrow. Um, and he says in verse 15 of James chapter 4, it says, For uh, that ye ought to say, if the Lord wills, um, we shall live and do this and do that. And so we have to make sure that we number our days. We count every day. Uh, we recognize, Lord, what would you have me do today? And make sure that the, that day counts uh, for the Lord. And also it says at the end of that verse, it says that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. It, it's wise for us to, to number our days and to consider our days and, and allow God to be involved in our plans. Uh, it's wise because God can direct us and he can help us and he knows what the future holds. Uh, And He can lead us in the proper way, Uh, and it's important for us to keep Him in mind with regard to that, and and we'll be wise by doing that. Um, The second thing that we see uh, with regard to uh, this living and involvement of God in our life is the satisfaction uh, in God alone. Uh, Look at verse 14. It says, "'Oh, satisfy us early with thy mercy.'" that we may rejoice and be glad all of our days. The, the word their mercy, uh, is a Hebrew word, chesed. Uh, it, it's a word that has quite a range of meanings to it. Um, here is translated as mercy. Some of the places it's translated as loving kindness. If you remember um, in uh, Psalm 136, I'll so give thanks and Lord for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Uh, that's that same word, chesed. Um, and it has to deal also with God's faithfulness uh, and with Israel it was God's covenant faithfulness. And so I think as we recognize this idea of satisfaction, satisfy with thy faithfulness, satisfy us with your mercy, satisfy us with the salvation that you've given to us. We know that God has promised that he'll, he'll uh, never leave us or dele- uh, never leave us or forsake us. Uh, we understand that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Uh, we understand that um, if we uh, trust Christ as our Savior, that we have a home in heaven and we have a promise that our sins will be forgiven, that there'll be uh, no uh, no sin that we held back, that that God will raise them, that when God looks at us, he doesn't see a, a, a sinner, he sees one who has been justified by the blood of Jesus Christ. And, and so when we understand the satisfaction, just Be satisfied in God. Be satisfied in what God has done. Count our days, but make sure that we understand that that God is all we need. Uh, We don't need anybody else but God. Um, And allow that to minister to our hearts and help us in that way. Uh, Oh, satisfy us early with thy mercy uh, that we may be glad all of our days. Uh, And then he also uh, does mention the idea of seeing God work in our our hands and our hearts and seeing his work. Look at verse 16 and 17. So let thy work appear unto thy servants and thy glory unto their children. and Let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us and establish thou the work of our hands upon us. Yea, the work of our hands establish thou it. Verse 16 talks about God's work. And I think what the nation of Israel could not see is that God was working in that nation. Um, It's pretty obvious if you have this this cloud or this pillar of fire by night and this cloud that guided them by day to the promised land, uh, they should have recognized this is God and God's going to see us through to conquer the land that he's given us. But they didn't see what God was doing. They didn't see the hand of God. And I think what we have to do is we need to see God's hand in our life. God is actively working in your life. You may not be able to see all the details of what he's doing, but he's got a plan for your life. You're here in preparation for uh, the future work that you'll do. Uh, And and so every day, God is working on you, working to to help you to become what he needs you to be uh, as you will serve him. And and so it says, let thy work appear to thy servants uh, and thy glory to their children. Um, sometimes we just have to pray, Lord, help me to see your hand in this situation. Uh, because sometimes as uh, things are in the initial stages, it might be hard. Uh, some of you are here and you, you might think, well, uh, I'm going to these classes, but I don't think I can do all this. I, I'm not as talented as some people to serve God in a certain way. Uh, but God's working in your life. Don't give up on God. Uh, he won't give up on you through the situation. So it's seeing God work in our life, but it's also that God would work through us to see that what we do doesn't have a a temporal purpose, but that it will have an internal purpose. Look at verse 17. Uh, Let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us and establish thou the work of our hands. What's gonna make us significant is not uh, what we do that is gonna be lasting on this earth because it won't. Uh, We'll be soon gone. We're just that vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Our sense of worth does not come from who we are, but whose we are. And we have to recognize that what I want to do is I want my life to have a purpose, have a meaning, and have an eternal purpose. And I think that's what Moses was seeing. He was seeing these these individuals dying left and right um, and, and wasting away in this desert. He's not praying this prayer for those that we're not going to make it into the promised land, but he's praying for those that would uh, from the standpoint that, that they would see and, and recognize uh, that God is going to work through them uh, and that God would help them to see that work that he's doing. Um, it's looking at God and saying, Lord, use me, work through me. And, and whatever we're doing, uh, no matter how simple it might be, you might be uh, teaching a bus class, you might be in Cactus Kids or whatever it might be, Um, Pray that God would use you uh, in that ministry uh, to see a great work through that. Um, There's so few days we have to serve the Lord, uh, but we know that God has a great plan for us while we're here. And and the wonderful hope that we have is eternal life. Uh, We have the promise of eternal life. So even though our life is a vapor, even though we have uh, so few days to live, I've got 8,000 more days to live. We have eternity with God. Uh, We have eternity with the one who uh, gave his life and, and sacrificed his life on the cross for us and something that we can remember.